we weren't created to do this life alone. And I don't have the strength to manage and navigate all that was required of us because of my daughter's illness. It being so rare, without God, someone to talk to every minute of the day, because I wasn't sleeping either, he was my support. Welcome to the Extraordinary Lives Podcast, where we talk about lives that go beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary, with the extra being Jesus. We'll be encouraged with amazing stories and helpful insights from the lives of ordinary people who have that extra, that supernatural difference that only Jesus can give. I'm your host, Ellen Bennett. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to welcome Cynthia Zorn to the show today. We have known each other since our kids were little, and especially through our mutual friend, Elisa Hookwater. We'll give a shout out to her. But I have long admired Cynthia and just her discipline as well as her love for people. When she does something, she does her best at it. And she also is a very loyal friend. So I'm so excited to hear about her and her story so welcome to the show. Thank you, Ellen. Very excited to be here. We were on a walk the other day, and I was hearing more about your story with your sweet daughter, Mackenzie, and her neurological sleep disorder. I'm so glad you're here to talk about that and just the difficulty that it has been to deal with that, especially as a mom, and just the inspiration your daughter has been. So I'm really glad to be able to get some insight into that today, and I know that will be encouraging to our listeners as well. But let's get started just with a little bit of your background. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up, your family, and how you became a follower of Jesus. Okay. I was born and raised in Oceanside, California, and then went to San Diego State University. Presently, I live in Carlsbad, California. My parents are from the East Coast. Connecticut, Massachusetts, but I was thankfully born in the most beautiful city in the nation, which is uh, San Diego, Oceanside. Mm -hmm. When I attended San Diego State, I was fortunate to meet my future husband, and we've been married now for 39 years. We have two children. My son is 28, and our daughter is 22. All right. Well, how did you come to follow Jesus? When did you begin that relationship? When somebody asks me that, I just get a huge smile because I distinctly remember the day. And that day I was five years old and I was attending something then called Good News Club. And I was sitting in the backyard on the cold cement with my little dress. And I remember Mrs. Galwin, who was a missionary as well as a teacher at First Baptist Church and ran our Good News Club in our neighborhood, asking if anybody wanted to accept Christ in their heart. And I had been attending Good News Club for several months, and I just distinctly remember at that moment that, yes, I want to do this. So I did, and I just felt like the heavens opened up and the clouds were there, and it just was, for me, a day that I remember, and it's been like 55 years. So it was very meaningful, still is. But what was funny about that, and one reason I smile, is uh, Mrs. Gowan eventually had to call my mother and ask my mother to speak to me because weekly I was sitting outside asking Jesus to come into my heart. And I was afraid that he wasn't going to stick. And uh, so that story is relevant to me because I then became a Sunday school teacher and I taught Sunday school for about 30 years. So I understand when children want to repeat it over and over and over why they're doing it. 
That's great. Great story. And tell me a little bit about what you've been involved with since you've been an adult. I know you were in marketing, you are a teacher, etc. Yeah, yeah, a lot. <laughs> uh, let's see. So uh, attending San Diego State, my degree is in graphic communications. And so I did, as Ellen mentioned, a lot of time in marketing and advertising, public relations for shopping centers. However, the most meaningful thing that I've ever done is to work at the church, whether it be a paid position or a volunteer. And it's always been working with children from writing curriculum to painting wall murals to running kids programs and jumping up and down with them. I just love sharing the message of Jesus, especially with children, because they're just so open to hearing it and so free with their love. So let's see, I've been a director of homeschooling for a community, a director for a youth ambassador program for narcolepsy and work with a lot of youth. And those youth uh, tend to be, you know, 14 years old to 22 years old. And I have a real opportunity to build relationships with those children and young adults. I could go on, but that's great. That's great. Well, tell us a little bit about Mackenzie and her narcolepsy. When did you first notice something was not quite right. Tell us a little bit about that process. Yes, that process is pretty in-depth and our time is brief here, but due to that, I will just surmise it. It was a process that took about a year. And as far as narcolepsy goes, narcolepsy is a serious neurological sleep disorder. It affects one in 2,000 people in the United States. Typically, they're middle-aged, you know, could be a 20, 22-year-old. And most people live with narcolepsy for 10 years before it's ever properly diagnosed. Many, many people have sleep disorders, could be sleep apnea, could also be narcolepsy. However, in order to have narcolepsy, you must have the marker a gene for it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not something you can catch from somebody, you know, it's not contagious. And so she was nine years old and I had been homeschooling her. Thankfully, that's what the doctor Mm -hmm. said. It's a good thing she was homeschooled. So she'd been homeschooled since kindergarten. And so I knew my daughter well, and she was very active, physical, happy, anything she could do every day to learn and serve. Those are her two key things that she loved to do. And so at the age of nine, one day she just slept all day. And then slept all night and then the next day and the next day and um, and this is very normal for people whose brains their hypothalamus has been compromised their body cannot fight whatever it's fighting off and it turns on the wrong part of the body and this happened to be she got h1n1 if you remember when that yes. was out and she got that flu and it attacked her hypothalamus and that is where the orexin or hypercretin is created in the brain. When the hypothalamus is compromised or destroyed, that chemical is not produced in the brain any longer. The chemical also affects other chemicals in the brain as well, cortisol, dopamine, I could list them. Mm -hmm. But so many things were failing on her, in her, we could see. However, Every time we took her to the doctor, the pediatrician, because she was sleeping so much, they said, oh, it must be her thyroid. And so they'd give her thyroid test over and over and over. And nope, thyroid's fine. Thyroid's fine. So this went on and on for almost a year until she started getting the second phase of what she has. There are two types of narcolepsy. Type 1 narcolepsy is narcolepsy with cataplexy. Type 2 is just narcolepsy. She has type 1. The narcolepsy 
is the sleeping all the time, but they're never really sleeping. You never get REM sleep. You're exhausted, you try to sleep, and your brain goes into a dream state immediately. Cataplexy is the body's reaction to a sudden emotion, and the body reacts in a complete collapse of muscle tone or muscle control. Now, in every person who has type 1 narcolepsy, your body may respond a little differently. It may just be a head nod forward, like somebody falling asleep. It may be a slight knee buckle, but you won't collapse to the ground. Or it could be a complete collapse from head to toe. And that is the type of cataplexy she has. So she had been a soccer player. She could no longer play soccer. She could not swim. She could not walk. She was in a wheelchair for a while. She couldn't look at happy pictures. She couldn't watch I Love Lucy anymore. We couldn't play board games anymore. We were holding her head up while we played games. I could go on, but you get the idea and watching your child crumble and people telling you there's nothing wrong with her. We did see the best specialist in San Diego, best neurologist, so-called in San Diego, but they couldn't find anything, even with MRIs. And so my mother's heart told me there's something wrong. And the doctors are coming up with things that it could be, Again, the misdiagnosis, but this is very normal. Now I've learned after 12 years, it's been 12 years that she's had this. This is a normal process for many people with a sleep disorder because they mimic so many other illnesses. So when she started doing the laughing and falling, I Googled it. And 12 years ago, you know, that was like kind of a strange thing to do. And narcolepsy with cataplexy came up. And so then we found a neurologist, Dr. Mignot. He is a world-renowned neurologist up at Stanford, and he knew immediately, and he didn't have to even test her. They eventually did. You have to do all that. And she was diagnosed properly a year later. So at age 10, she was diagnosed with narcolepsy. And at that time, she had to take only adult medication. So that was the other hard part to this. We're trying to give her adult medication and everybody's body reacts differently. Hers is very sensitive. She's a tiny person. And so, you know, just navigating the medication that could control the symptoms and the symptoms are numerous, but I only share this with you because it was the perseverance of a mother to say, I know my child there's got to be something more we can do. This is not normal. Okay, you couldn't find anything. Let's go to another doctor, another doctor. And our faith in Jesus came with the fact that she was so grounded in her belief of Jesus, so grounded in her love for God and serving others, that in her waking moments, she would try to do something for other people. And so we had spent nine years, you know, sewing and just always community service. And so that's what carried her through. When she could lift her head up, she was having me read her the Bible because she couldn't read anymore, couldn't focus on anything. And then once she started getting medicine, it took another year, so now 11 years old, to finally feel as if, huh, maybe I can play soccer again. Maybe I can do some of those things. She used to play piano. We'd go to the retirement homes at age five. She was playing piano for people. You know, she had to stop doing that because she couldn't remember. Well, she hadn't been sleeping. Mm. So uh, things were just failing on her. But after a year of medication, the proper dosing, not everybody takes the same medication. There are medications out there. She started improving. And so her lifestyle started improving. But again, her walk with Jesus has never faltered at all. And I think her faith really helped us as parents, my husband and I, carry on. And we know that God doesn't create 
bad things. We know that God doesn't create evil. And the first thing she could do was play piano and she plays worship music. You know, in high school, what is she doing? She is playing worship music. But right before she got on stage, she was sleeping in the car. Wow. You know, and mm-hmm. goes up on stage. So she still is that way and her love of Jesus. And if it weren't for us being able to talk to him, walk with him, cry to him, hey, I've gotten mad. Yeah. You know, I can say, God, why? Take this from her. Give it to me. This mm-hmm. is not right. This is a little girl who loves you so much. Mm-hmm. Why are you allowing this to happen? And over time, and we still don't have the answer. Sure. Yeah. However, I can also add that through this heartache and through what she has acquired, this narcolepsy, we have helped many, many people. She specifically became a youth ambassador for Narcolepsy Network. And what that means is she actually traveled around the nation and she would speak to different organizations about this particular sleep disorder and other things. And I have done the same. And so we know that we've helped people near and abroad. I mean, it is so interesting how Jesus has brought, we do believe, people in our lives. I mean, we could be sitting on an airplane. Uh, We were in the Bahamas and met somebody who overheard me saying something and they're like, wait, your daughter has narcolepsy? I was diagnosed three months ago with narcolepsy. Well, now my daughter and her are in communication with each Mm other. And so I do believe that there is a reason for this and she has helped many people. And if that's the reason she got this, so she could help others because she always loves serving, then maybe that's why. And definitely sounds like you're seeing God turn a really crummy situation, bringing good out of it, Mm -hmm. even though it's not a good situation itself, but he's definitely bringing good because you all are so willing to be used by him. Mm -hmm. I do want to mention that you wrote an excellent article about being an advocate Mm -hmm. as a mom for your child, and I will be sure to post that on my website and try to put that too in the podcast notes. Also, So I'm so impressed with Mackenzie's accomplishments. She just has not let this stop her. She is now in college and she spent time on a study abroad program in Italy. I'm so grateful that she has that determination and that perseverance to keep on keeping on and also just an amazing attitude from what I understand. Yes, so that's an excellent point that I would like to make. Her walk with Jesus is her relationship with him, and she understands what that means. And she understood that at a very young age. And so you mentioned Europe and recently what transpired, as you all know, when COVID hit, she happened to be a study abroad program. She was only 19 at the time in Italy and all the colleges called the kids back, except her college gave her an option of staying in the apartment, but she would be online didn't really know what that meant at the time and she chose to stay in the apartment alone everybody else left and she lived in that apartment alone for four months and the only time she was allowed to go out was stand in line with all the Italians to get her food but she saw that as an opportunity to communicate now she did not speak Italian when she left but 20 months later she's fluent in Italian she also wanted to give back to the community the Florence community and she became an EMT she had to take the test and train in Italian and she wow. did that That's now unbelievable. <laughs> with an autoimmune disease that she was one of the compromised that mm. shouldn't be doing it but as parents we had the faith in God that he put her somewhere where she needed to be he wanted her there and so many times we have to remind ourselves she is not ours she is God's and 
we have to release that life to him. He gave her to us to raise, but we have complete faith in him that he knows what he's doing with her. And so because she loves her relationship with Jesus, that was her companion for four months. Hung out with him, talked to him, prayed to him, wrote, sang. She didn't have the keyboard. She didn't have her ukulele. But as soon as she could go get a keyboard, she did. And then she bought herself a ukulele and would carry it with her on her trips. And he is her friend. And she does not feel let down by him because she understands that bad does not come from him. Mm, Very good. It's a great point to remember. Do you want to talk about some lessons that you've learned? I think for people, if they're listening to this and they don't have a belief in God or a relationship with Jesus, I would suggest that they try to pursue that with maybe a friend that has mentioned it to them or maybe a local church. We attend a non-denominational church, uh, maybe a woman's Bible study or a men's Bible study. And I say that because we had a personal relationship or do with Christ. And so when our children were born, they could see that. We modeled it, we talked about it, and because it was important to me that they were a part of the programs I was doing at church, I brought my children with me. Now we all don't have that benefit, but I was able to do that. And I would just say sharing the love of God is so important with your children. Don't wait until they're older and then say, oh, we'll let them decide. Try to do what you can to get that information to them, and it will go a very long way. And um, when kids go to college and then they start questioning, if they're grounded in their belief, it will be much easier for them to go through some of the trials that are presented during college Mm -hmm. and, and after. So that's what I'd like to say. That's great. And what I'm really seeing, too, is just you living out this relationship with Jesus and then, of course, wanting to share it because of the hope Mm -hmm. that Jesus gives us, as well as just the love and the care. Mm -hmm. I think about that verse, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Mm -hmm. And he really does want us to literally cast those cares that we have on him. He wants to walk with us through that. Yes, and to remember that we weren't created to do this life alone. And I don't have the strength to manage and navigate all that was required of us because of my daughter's illness. It being so rare, I was told children don't get narcolepsy. Well, now we know that's not true. They do. And without God, someone to talk to every minute of the day, because I wasn't sleeping either. He was my support. And I would just want to encourage people that if you don't understand what I'm saying, find somebody who you can talk to about. What do they mean, a friend? What do they mean, a relationship with Jesus? What do they mean? Right, yes. I wouldn't tell you to just sit here and read the Bible randomly, because that's not going to give you the pertinent information you need as far as the relationship, trying to understand Mm -hmm. that. So... I hope that I've answered some of the questions and being an advocate for your child in whatever capacity, whether it's a sleep disorder or whatever it might be, we need to do that for our kids. And I think that many people think, well, they're a child, they're resilient, they'll get over it. But our experience is you really need to be there for your child. That's showing Christ's love. 
you know, just give them that extra time and put the phone down and play with them and get to know your child. So if there is something wrong, it will be easier for you to spot it. And hers was a little obvious when she got the cataplexy, but prior to that, people would say, well, she's growing. Well, now if you meet somebody who has narcolepsy and they're older, the excuses could be, oh, well, you're in law school. Oh, you do too much exercise. Oh, you're doing, and so there's all these excuses. Uh. And so that's why I'd say get to know your child um, sooner than later, because it will help you in the future. That's great. You were telling me that there are some important months coming up. January is Mental Wellness Month. All right, so that's a time to just reflect on what do I need to do for my own or somebody else's mental wellness. And that could be getting more sleep, getting exercise, being more mindful, eating properly, you know, more common things. But not everybody does that. The other one is in March, and March is National Sleep Awareness Month. So March 11th is narcolepsy awareness day and one thing that i have done several times and taken a group of people to washington dc for rare disease week we have legislation possibly passed to help fund orphan drugs you know interesting things such as that and then the month of may is mental health awareness month and that is really offering people an opportunity to pay attention, be a little more kind, and have more patience with people that they know or might question whether they have a mental or behavioral health issue. That's great. Always good to remember. I've been thinking a lot lately, and I've mentioned this on the show, just about humility and the importance of just remembering we all have so much we're working on. Mm -hmm. None of us are perfect, and we just need each other's grace and mercy Mm -hmm. so much. We never know what someone else is really going through often. You know, that's an excellent point. And I think that when you look at the classroom, whether it even be adults, college, it doesn't matter, elementary school, teachers, I believe, should be also more aware of what a child could be going through. And a sleep disorder or the lack of sleep causes so much disruption in a person's life. And it could be the behavioral issues, it could be lack of being able to remember anything so they haven't been sleeping. And so the same thing happens with adults. The problem with a sleep disorder or, for instance, narcolepsy, if it's not caught early, you get pushed through the education system and then eventually you have such low self-esteem from being told you're lazy, you're stupid, you're not trying, just stay awake, all those things, that if you make it through high school, you probably don't want to go to college and so having that compassion and that care and that outlook yes looking at people differently not being so quick to judge that would be the other point i would say that you could really make the difference in someone's life if you were to step in their shoes and consider well what could be the situation for them and how can i help how can i serve and so that would be some of the suggestions i would have That's great. Cynthia, is there anything that you would recommend to parents or people who do seem to be experiencing sleep problems or sleep deprivation? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's an excellent question. I would definitely seek my pediatrician or my doctor 
if I were the adult, because adults do get narcolepsy. And again, you have to have the marker, but because it is an autoimmune situation, it needs to be triggered by something. And it actually could be stress that triggers it. It can be a flu. Sometimes it could be a hit to the head from a soccer ball. So there are varying times in life that you can get uh, narcolepsy. And yes, you would go get a sleep study. Okay. And that's a very specific study done to determine what might be the That issue. is correct. Yes. Yeah. So it's a latency test. It's an overnight stay in the okay. hospital. If you're a child, your parent is allowed to come in the room and stay with you. And you do have all these little things that are put yes. on your head and on your chest because they check your respiratory and your breathing rate, etc. Okay. And then the brain waves are read by a neurologist or a sleep specialist. And then you're diagnosed based on what the brain waves were doing during sleep. They should look a certain way. And in narcolepsy, they are completely whacked out. So it's very interesting to see that. But also adults should persevere an opportunity to have a sleep study if there's any type of sleep concern because you can be helped. You don't have to live always tired. You don't have to live that way. And why do that if there's help for you? Yes, yes. I will just mention one of our relatives had no idea that she was not getting the sleep that she needed. And she didn't understand why life was just so hard and difficult. And she was raising four kids. And finally, when she found out that she had sleep apnea, it just was such a revelation to her and truly, truly helped. So I know she would agree with all of this as well. Mm -hmm. There are a lot more studies and awareness about that now. And and thanks for even going further with us today Mm -hmm. to to help us understand its importance. You're welcome. Because it really makes a difference. God made us Mm -hmm. to need rest. Mm -hmm. Oh, if anybody out there is interested, there's an organization, nonprofit called Project Sleep that has excellent sources. You don't need to be a member to participate or to even collect their information. They interview doctors all the time. And so that would be an excellent source for anybody. It's called Project Sleep. Great, I will put that in our notes as well. Well, I thank you so much for being here, Cynthia, and especially just for sharing your heart and giving us a glimpse into your story. It's been extremely encouraging to me and inspirational. It's been fun, thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. This is Ellen Bennett with the Extraordinary Lives podcast.